good Sunday morning. Welcome to another edition of Sunday Rise presented by the Sideline Junkies. It's me, it's me, it's the big guy, KG, sitting in with the incomparable, the undefeated, the unheralded, the unmatched Midnight Rider, the man that pays all the bills, make sure the light stays on, and he just gave the guys in the truck a raise. Now they're making 79 cents. The boss, BJ. Fellas, first and foremost, how y'all doing? I'm good, man. How you doing, man? I'm feeling it. That's all I can say is I'm feeling it after last night. Well, B? Myself, I got to go take my blood pressure medication and stuff for 1 o'clock. So, right now, I'm okay. Well, we're going to get to that 1 o'clock game because I want to hear what you got to say about that. But we got to do some recapping first. And I think this we had two surprises last night. Games were good, but two surprises. First surprise, that the 49ers got out on the Seahawks as bad as they did in the second half. It was 17-16 going into the half. Final score, 41-23. I thought the Seahawks were just going to trade blows with them all day long. They played mistake-free uh, ball in the first half. Uh, Geno was delivering the ball. They were running. They were doing what they had to do. Then all of a sudden, it's like a, a, a switch flip with San Francisco, and they unloaded with 25 points. They outscored Seattle 25 to 6 in the second half. Uh, start with you, Midnight Ride, and B, you finish it up. H how did you, when you looked at this game, did you see it going the way that it went, or, you know, you already knew the Niners were going to take it home? You know, in boxing, they always say styles make fights. And I think this was a situation where you get a dude with a good jab. That's the Seahawks. And a dude with a jab and some power. And that was the 49ers. And the dude with the jab kept himself in the match the whole time. But then all of a sudden, when that power takes over, you can't do nothing with it. And that's what last night was. Last night was a situation where um, Seattle tried to land a couple body blows. And they probably were effective. And that got them to 17-16. But the problem was that was their best shot. Like, they they gave everything they had right there. So when the second half came out, they was they was on E. And San Francisco, with the multiple dynamic things that they do with Debo, with McCaffrey, with Kittle, with Ayuk, with – I mean, you just keep going down the list. Um, number 25, I can't think of his name. Um, you get the Jennings. I mean, there's so many weapons in this arsenal that they just didn't have a, a thing. And then you got Kyle Shanahan calling plays. So it was just like a um, score palooza in the second half. And Seattle's defense, while it's good, it's just not enough. And then their offense doesn't have enough firepower. And if I'm Seattle, the first thing I do this year, um, once we get to the um, draft, is in the third or fourth round, I got to draft another running back. And you draft another running back so you can layer with Kenny Walker. Because what you want to do, you want to have back one and back two be effective. I'm sorry. I like the kid Dallas. I think he used to go to uh, Miami. But he's no second running back. He can't He can't deliver the goods like the first running back can. And in this league, I think you got to have – if you don't have a dominant running back at one, you got to have at least two good ones. Kind of like the situation here in Washington with um, Gibson and Robinson. You got two good guys that make up a great one. And in Seattle's situation, they just didn't have a firepower. And then outside of Lockett and, and Metcalf, there's no other receiver on that team. 
So they just kept, and then there's the tight end situation. They don't use Noah Fant. Maybe he's hurt or whatever, but there's so many things that they don't have is why they couldn't keep up in this fight. So I wasn't surprised. I'm sorry. And and neither was I. Um, for the Seahawks that had kept into this game, they had to play not only mistake-free football, but they had to control the game. And like the Midnight Riders say, once the 49ers land that right hook and now you're stunned that you can't come back from that. And they don't have the firepower offensively or defensively to come back from a big blow. You know, uh, we'll get to the next game. You know, Jacksonville did, you know, um, but they 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 need a couple things. Um, I thought I was rooting for Geno. Geno did a hell of a job in the first half. I know that uh, that strip sack, uh, strip fumble kind of like changed the game. And then, of course, Debo Samuel doing Debo Samuel things. That blew the game wide open. Um, they just got too much firepower on both sides of the ball. And when you when you when you come in, you know, is that that's Geno's first playoff game, is it? Is that Geno's first playoff game? You got to take that in consideration too. If, yeah. You know, and I know you know Trevor Lawrence and uh, Herbert. You know they, but that playoff atmosphere is different. And when tragedy strikes on the on a NFL playoff level. The recovery is different from the regular season. And if you don't get yourself together, you find yourself in a pit that you can't get out of. And that's where the Seahawks were. They had to play mistake-free football the whole game. They had to control the ball the whole game. And that's where the Midnight Riders saying they need a second back. They need to utilize they, – they need things where they can get that four, five, six yards. You know what I'm saying? Control the clock. They can't do that. Um, you know, they got DK Metcalf and Lockett, but it's – uh. I think building on that, building on this year, you know, go to the draft and add some pieces. But San Francisco, San Francisco, and y'all know how I feel about Cal Shanahan. You know, you're not going to call plays tick for tack with Cal Shanahan. At some point, he's going to make his move on the board, and you're going to be three moves behind when he does that. And it's just setting up things to set up things for the later in the game. And that's what they did. And, you know, of course, Brock Purdy, you can't say enough about how he's playing. So now it wasn't it wasn't a surprise that it blew open like that. The first half or the second half, neither one was a surprise. The, the Seahawks played the way they needed to play in the first half to keep the game where it needed to be. And then they made the mistakes that a team like that will make against the 49ers. And the 49ers did what they what they what they would do. Looking at Geno Smith, the most accurate quarterback in the league this year. 25 of 35, 253, two touchdowns and a pick. And DK Metcalf, you know, I've always been on the fence with DK Metcalf since he came out of Ole Miss. I always, I told everybody in the draft they were drooling over him because, you know, he's got the muscles, he's big, he's the prototypical wideout. He's your your T.O., your Anquan Bolden. And I, I understand that, but I was like, and I've, I still say this, he wasn't the best receiver at Ole Miss. A.J. Brown was. I've been on A.J. Brown's train since then. You know, when I looked at the at the numbers, I looked at the, the, the tape, I knew A.J. Brown was better. And I've always been hard on D.K. Metcalf. I can no longer be hard on D, D.K. Metcalf because he showed out yesterday in a playoff game. Ten catches, 136, and two touchdowns. And I say showed out even in a loss. I watched him block. I watched him clear out. 
I watched him be a decoy, and then I watched him make great catches. DK Metcalf, you have arrived. I give that my stamp of approval. You have arrived. I, I, I like to see it. I love to see it. On the flip side, like the boss BJ said, Brock Purdy, 18-30, 332, and three touchdowns. Now, if this cat goes and wins three more games, that'll be 9-0. First nine starts, 9-0 in a Super Bowl title. Apparently, nobody can figure out the cheat code. How is it this dude can drop back, go through his progressions, and then when he goes through his progressions, he throws guys open. I'm watching Debo run open. I'm watching Ayuk run open. I'm like, Yo, he's just dropping his joint right in the middle of the, of, of the zone. He's a cheat code, and I don't think anybody's figuring him out yet, even with the tape, because every week is something different. So correct so, me if I'm wrong, Midnight Rider. I, I mean, I see the look on your you face. Just, you just, before we got on the air, you just sung praises of a certain person. There's a certain coach in San Francisco, and I keep saying this over and over again. When you get to sit and learn under this guy, okay, this is this isn't this isn't the average coach. This guy is an elite offensive coach, an elite quarterback coach. So when you get to sit down on the bench, watch Trey Lance do Trey Lance things, watch Garoppolo, and then the other side of that, you got to give Brock Purdy his credit because that doesn't happen if you're not studying. If you're not, you're not, you know, going because he's not getting the reps. When Garoppolo and Lance, he's not getting those reps. So you have to be paying attention. You have to take advantage of the situation. But he's learning under a master offensive technician. This is the Kyle Shanahan. I'm sorry. Kyle Shanahan is probably going to be one of the best offensive minds, period. Probably he's, ah, do I say this? I think he's better than his father. Yeah, I think I think he's better than his father because of who won his father. And if as a father, all of us are fathers here, you want your child to be better than what you are. If, if you're an iron worker and, you, and your son comes underneath you, you want him to be better than you. You're teaching him the tricks of the trade. You want him to come in. I think I think Mike Shanahan has accomplished an offensive genius in Kyle Shanahan. So with that being said. You're watching, I think, I don't know if Cal knew what Purdy would come in and be able to do. I don't know if he knew to that level, but he set the he set the, the things in place for him to be successful. So when you when I'm out here watching him, yeah, it's amazing. You got a rookie quarterback, but he's under Cal Shanahan, and they got an ungodly amount of weapons on offense. At one at, at certain points, you can just close your eyes and just be like, Yeah, somebody's supposed to be here. Let me just throw the ball over there. So I got two points in this. A every, one thing the problem with the Brock Purdy situation is everybody remembers he's the seventh rounder last pick of the draft. What you don't remember is at Iowa State coming into the season, he was in the top five of quarterbacks to be drafted. The only problem was with Iowa State, they didn't have any offense. Once their running back got hurt, um, they were done. So so it wasn't a thing of – Purdy had the same situation that Sam Howell had. Some of his talent left, 
So he didn't. He never had an outside receiver that was any kind of um, top tier talent. So that was his problem. So so once they struggled that year, his stock fell. Purdy was was initially going to Florida State and decided not to go to Florida State because of the coaching change. Ended up at Iowa State with Matt Campbell. So there's some of the stuff right there just in the, in, the, in the preview. And then I think I finally found somebody that loves Kyle Shanahan more than I do. And that's the boss, but I'm totally there. You got to think about what Kyle Shanahan has done with Colt McCoy, Kirk Cousins, RG3, CJ Beathard, Duck Hodges. Like the, the list goes on and on. Every time a quarterback steps in his offense, it works. The only limitation is the limitations of the quarterback. And then when we talk about his father, I mean, there's a great line in Gladiator. Your faults as a son are my failures as a father. And that's what it is. He's losing his dad so much and taking so much off of it. I mean, you can when the, the funny thing is, I think I watch him so much, I can see the designs and I know where stuff is going. Mm-hmm. Now, I'm not saying that to take anything away from Kyle. I'll never do that because, in my opinion, I mean, I'm, I'm jealous – in a way of San Francisco because Kyle should still be here. He could never be here because the way the relationship ended with his dad. Exactly. And the way, and the way Smiley handled it. Exactly. Like, like Washington's faults always come back to one thing and it's how they handle the situation. Exactly. Yeah. But they, they burn bridges. They're like that toxic girlfriend that throws the brick in your window. You know what I'm saying? That burns your clothes. That's what Washington is. Oh yeah. Check the microwave only, at you. And that. you come lay down. When you burn when you burn that bridge with Mike Shanahan, of course, Kyle, anybody that's close to them, you've lost. Mm-hmm. Right? You you completely lost them from even because they're they're going to remember how you treated their family or friend, and they you're going to be alienated from that. So, and I'm not taking anything away from Kyle when I say that you know Brock Purdy's a a, a cheat code. No, yes, he studied. No, no, I'm, I'm, I'm saying he, he had to study, but here's the dilemma, and then we'll move on to the, uh, the Charles Jags. What do you do when Trey Lance comes back? Because Garoppolo, he's gone. What do you do when Trey Lance comes back? You don't do anything. Well, so, Brock Purdy starts. So you, which, there's a place, um, <laughs> called U-Haul. So you call U-Haul, and you tell him get his shit, and it's been real. Mm-hmm. Get your ass out of but here. But Trey Lance is the first round pick. I don't care what he is. Doesn't matter. This this league now doesn't the, the, the number doesn't matter. It's about the efficiency. And 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 if San Francisco was smart, they can draft another quarterback and throw him in the system. Yep. The only problem we're gonna have this year is this is the first year for me. I feel like it's hard to figure out who the quarterbacks are in the draft because so many guys are going back for a fifth year, sixth year. We got like 26 and 27 year old quarterbacks coming out. You know who will be a perfect quarterback for San Francisco? Stetson. Stetson Bennett. Stetson Bennett. Not expected to start right away. Can come in and he will be, you know, he already has a certain skill set. And and one thing I keep saying, you know, and and one thing, you know, when we talk about Washington and other NF teams in offense, and one thing I always say is that. You're only as good as your weaknesses. And when you realize your weaknesses and you can tailor the offense around your weaknesses, you know what you can and cannot do instead of forcing things. 
forcing things, forcing things you're not good at. And you watch Kyle and he puts put things in place. These are our strengths. Getting the ball to open space to Debo, Christian McCaffrey. You know, th- these are our strengths. We're going to play on our strengths. Go ahead, Midnight Rider. No, no, no. I'll finish your point. I just want to go back to the other side real quick once you finish. No, no. I, I, that's all I had. I, I just oh. – I, I admire that, man. And, and, you know, you saw it from, um, you know, in Buffalo, Brian Dayball, before he left and went to the Giants. Like, look, you have a cheat code. Josh Allen's a cheat code. He's the ultimate dual-threat quarterback, you know, six-whatever, 240, 30-pound, wherever he is. So you can – and I'm not I'm not taking anything about – uh, away from Brian Dayball or Ken Dorsey, because I think Brian Dayball has done a hell of a job in New York with what he did. But we could call plays in Buffalo. You know, when you got a when you got a quarterback like Mahomes, Burrow, Allen, you know, those type of guys, you can just be like, look, man, what do you want to do? <laughs> I'm here for you, baby. <laughs> and and let's not on the other side of the coin, let's not also cheat Seattle because Seattle coming up this offseason, they have the fifth pick in the draft. They got yep. 20. And then they also have Denver's second round pick and then their second round pick. So mm-hmm. Seattle can get healthy real quick. And yeah. Seattle's last draft, everybody they drafted was a contributor pretty much on that mm-hmm. on that team this year. Yep. So they can have another solid draft. Um talking about people that used to be here, Schneider used to be here um as an assistant GM. So Things happen, man, and 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 Seattle has the opportunity to to just keep building on what they have. Yeah, that's all I got, man. And I agree with you wholeheartedly. I was looking at that, and I said Seattle's going to be your next team up and coming. And how long does Pete Carroll have? I think Pete Carroll sees them through this, and it's not even this is supposed to have been a rebuilding year, but I think Pete Carroll sees them to, through this, and they wind up in the Super Bowl again in the next two to three years. Yeah, I think I the gift that, that keeps giving is the Arizona Cardinals because the Cardinals are so dysfunctional that yeah. they'll be the team that will sit in the basement and the other three teams. And actually, I think the Rams will have some problems because the Rams got to be a team that they got to stay healthy. Mm-hmm. Work. They get injuries because of the way they've drafted, even though I understand it. But I think they got to be, uh, you, you know, KG, you talk about always having picks, but I think the Rams have to. Master having many picks in the middle rounds so they can make mm-hmm. up for that voided talent because mm-hmm. they lost a couple guys. They lost their safety, Josh Johnson, or um, to the Browns, and he was just one of those players that helped keep everything together. So their problem is when they lose players, they got to replace them. They're struggling to replace them right now. Agreed. Uh, next game that we're recapping, <laughs> another bomb burner. Chargers versus the Jags. Now, this game right here got out of hand early. At halftime, it was 27 to 7. At halftime, 27 to 7. Come out in the second half. Dag on Jags throw up 24. They go up, they basically outscore them 24 to 3. Justin Herbert, 25 to 43, 273 in a touchdown. Uh Gerald Everett, six catches, 109, led uh the charges and receiving on the other side, Trevor Lawrence, 28 of 47, 288, four touchdowns and four picks. He threw four picks in the first half. Travis ATN, 
I've been waiting for this dude to break out since he got in the league. 20 carries, 109. I'll take that. Evan Ingram, seven catches, 93 yards. Christian Kirk earning his money. Uh, eight catches, 78 yards. BJ's uh boy, Zay Jones, eight for 74. Um, Start off with you, B, because it's the AFC. I want to start off with you. This Jacksonville game, this Jacksonville team, did you see it going this way? Did you see it? Did, did you already call it over at halftime? Because I did. I tuned out, and I was like, I'm going to do the WrestleManiacs. No, no. Um, Jacksonville was making fixable mistakes. Um, and I think the Chargers, you can start seeing the Chargers kind of be like, oh, it's over with. And, and I keep, you know, everybody knows. Whether it's the NBA, NHL, NFL, the playoffs are a different animal. The momentum swings are huge and going into halftime the jaguars are moving the ball i said they score because you could feel the the eeriness on from the tv from the crowd and you could feel them they wanted they needed something to cheer for and they needed something they wanted to cheer so every time that on that last drive before halftime man they were moving the ball that crowd was still in it and they score and that crowd was like they believe they like i right, we we can get them back we can get them back and nah i didn't at no point I, at I, don't get me wrong it got out of control and it was looking real bad but you got to remember doug peterson won a super bowl he has the experience you know he has a young team that you know they put some pieces together in the offseason i was one of their doubters and i, I also don't hear and take that um but they put these pieces together. They got some real good pieces on offense and defense. And now you still have Trevor Lawrence that hasn't lost on Saturday. So, you know, that's going to be interesting to see going forward. But, um, nah, man, I, 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 I felt like if the Jags scored, they were still in that game. And, and this is going to be a warning shot to the remaining teams in the playoffs. If you don't keep your foot on the neck, you're going to lose. I don't care what the lead is. I don't care who the quarterback is. If you play NFL playoff football, and whether if you got a good running game, you better start running that clock out. But you have to keep putting points on the board uh, almost to the point where it's unsportsmanlike because something like that can happen to anybody. So first, B, I'm not letting you off the hook. Say what you said before we started the show. There was something you was going to do. Oh, yeah, yeah. So I had told myself on that drive, I said, if Jacksonville scores, I'm going to put 50 in on MGM bet for them to win, and I didn't do it. So I didn't do it. So based off, right off of what you said, I had this feeling. Once they scored the second touchdown coming out of the half, I said, this feels very Colts Chiefs. Um, from a couple years ago. I can't remember the exact storyline, but I remember one of the teams getting out early and then the game coming back and they end up having to go in overtime maybe in, and I think it ended up like 45-44. So I had that feeling the whole time. I think that everybody knows if you watch this show, we have a saying, charging. The Chargers will charge it. And that's like I had no faith, even at 27-7. The only thing... Because the, what the, the Chargers did was they just didn't respect the Jaguar receivers. 
So once and really the Asante Samuels um INT for a touchdown should have been pass interference and at the very least illegal contact. But for some reason the ref had his whistle in his back pocket and didn't call that. So that whole game just I kept feeling it. And I'm sorry. I don't know where the Chargers draft. They probably draft 22 or 23 this year. But if if Roger Goodell doesn't say with the first pick or with the 22nd, 23rd pick of the first round, the San Diego Chargers draft, B. John Robinson or Jameer Gibbs, they need to kick whoever in that building out of the building as their GM. They need a running back. Austin Eckler is nice, but he's not a consistent running back. He's a gadget guy. He's your third down guy. He's not the guy. He might get a thousand yards, but he, it's not a natural thousand yard rusher. It's kind of, I felt like this about B. Mitch, where he can do everything else. He does a lot of things well, but he's just not a good enough running back down in, down out to, to, to sustain a season. You can use him in situations, but you can't use him consistently to run the ball because he'll miss things that a natural runner will miss. Just like in Washington right now, Antonio Gibson is the perfect example. He can run for 1,000 yards, but he's going to leave yards on the field where a beach, uh, Robinson won't leave those yards on the field. So that's why I feel like San Diego, one of those two guys, if they're not high on your list, whatever the next running back is, I haven't gone through my um, pre-draft stuff yet, but they need a running back that's going to be consistent enough to get running back yards on running back plays. And and the the Chargers, um, that last touchdown the Jaguars scored before they did the two point conversion, that should have been called back. And Joey Bosa went off and got flagged for unsportsmanlike conduct. But if you go back and watch the slow mo replay, the right tackle got started early to attempt to get ahead of Bosa, and I think he'd done that a couple times. I think they uh. I think Bosa, I don't know if he got an unsportsmanlike like earlier in the game. He couldn't have because he, he did put out. He did? No, okay. no, no. So the first one, so the difference on those two unsportsmanlike, one was directed to a player. The other was just him going off the field. So if gotcha. his second one would have been a player-involved incident, then, yes, he would have been ejected. But because yeah. it wasn't a player-involved situation, he, he didn't get ejected. Yeah, he was complaining about that the whole game. And he had – he absolutely they, – they, that whistle was frozen because that right tackle, I don't know his name, he was getting – you know, he couldn't handle both. And you, you try to get an early start. But that last play, they, they slow-moed it, and that boy jumped like it was a rat in his pants. And yeah. it should have been called – it should have been called. I don't think – I don't think that changes the outcome of the game, though. I think the Jaguars had the momentum, and they still would have scored. Um, because they had the they had that fourth and one earlier that they that they um that they convert. I think I think they just had the mo, mo, mojo. I think that would have been called back, and they would have found another way to score. So so with that situation, I think I think those two both penalties encapsulated what was going on, and the charges were unraveling. Like they mm-hmm. started losing their nerve in that moment. So if anything, that was just. What they call that stuff when you watch a movie and there's little hints like an Easter egg is something. Easter eggs, yep. Yeah. So I think Bosa's activity and his emotions were Easter eggs for us knowing that this was going to fall apart. And then again, charges are the charges. And you could see, you could see 
you know, when the Jaguar each each touchdown they were coming back, you could see the defense, they were just deflated. And they had, you know, when they were doing the close-ups on their faces, you could see that as like they were like, I we can't believe this is how, how do we we don't know how to stop this. You know, we don't have it's a big gash, we're bleeding out of a major artery, we don't know how to stop this. It, it was kind of like they were in shell shock and and nothing could pull them out of it. Um, and, and then the offense got that way also. So, yeah, yeah. it's, uh, go ahead, KG. Let, 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 let me throw this out to you guys. Um, this is just a question that BJ asked me last night after the game, after, excuse me, after the game, after, uh, after everything, um, after the WrestleManiacs last night, if you haven't listened to that, please go back and listen. Uh, the boss BJ asked me a question. He said, will Brandon Staley get fired after this game? <laughs> I said, he might. I mean, think about this. And I'm, I'm putting it out there. The San Diego Chargers were 14 and two under Marty. It was Marty Schottenheim. I, I just looked it up. It was Marty Schottenheim, 14 and two. Yeah, they lost to the New England Patriots in a divisional game. But they still fired Marty. Mm-hmm. You but still that, fired Marty. That's different. No, no, no. I'm gonna help you out. I'm gonna help you out. Because Marty's situation wasn't it wasn't the 14 and 2 that got Marty fired. What got Marty fired was Marty Schottenheimer and AJ Smith hated each other. They never yes. spoke to each other. Yes. It, they, it was a it was it was a hate on hate relationship. So that yeah. really was what happened there. That's not, this isn't, that wasn't performance-based. That was, no. I can't stand watching your ass walk in the building. Yeah. The fuck the building. Excuse yeah. 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 That was, that was. No, no, I, I know that. But I don't care. See, here's my thing. And this is me speaking in logic yet again. New day, same logic. Even if I don't like you, but you're a success, I may not fucking like you. But you do your job and you make me look good. Yeah, I don't like you. I'm going to tell you, you know, I'm going to walk past you. Fuck you, you bitch. But if you say, hey, it's this player that I need, all right, I'll go get him signed. I don't like you, but I'll go get him signed. I'll go get, get you what you need to be successful. I'm not going to hamstring you because if I hamstring you, that hurts me because the following season, 11 and 5 under Noel, then you go 8 and 8, then you go 13 and 3. Then after that, you got three years with no playoffs. This was Marty's time. No, nah, because AJ Smith thinks AJ Smith is the smartest man in the building. And, and that's if AJ Smith. Look, man, if AJ Smith feels like AJ Smith can do whatever he needs to do to get it done, and he can win with anybody. So that's why your your logic makes sense in, in a normal world, but when you're dealing with guys with egos, it's it's different. But hold on. Let, let, let me let me let me bring it. Well, let's right come back, let's come closer to this though, because now, you're talking about Brandon Staley. Oh I'm, I'm I'm about I'm about to bring it all in. All right, come on. Come now on. you 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 fire Marty after 14 and 2, you bring in North, okay? Mm-hmm. You bring in Anthony Lynn. Anthony Lynn in his first year goes 9 and 7, 12 and 4. Um makes the playoffs, 5 and 11, 7 and 9, but he had quarterback issues. Remember he didn't have Philip Rivers. And that 7 and 9 season he was dealing with a rookie uh Justin Herbert. He's fired after that. You bring in Brandon Staley and Brandon Staley has the guy. Now here's the problem that Brandon Staley has dealt with all season injuries but that's a part of the game your top two receivers are injured and you got uh deandre carter as your number one deandre carter is not a number one he's a, a great compliment piece but he's not a, a number one 
Brandon Staley comes into this game with the with the young gun, Justin Herbert, and you lose this game. If he makes it to the new league year, I'll be surprised. But I know he's going to make it to the new league year, so I should not be surprised. If so this was if this was a Steve Wilkes, a Raheem Morris, a Jim Caldwell, if this was any co- coach of color, they would have been fired this morning. So that's I'm my gonna, point. I'm gonna push back on that just a little bit. I'm gonna, I want to play devil's advocate because I like of course, of course you do. When you when you're dealing in this situation in this league, this league is about the young innovative coach. So what happened was Sean McVay changed the narrative. And what everybody's doing right now is once Sean McVay won a championship, everybody wants the young, explosive mind to help you do something. So, and I'm gonna say this right now on this show, this will be Ron Rivera's last year here, because right now all he's been is he's the NFL caretaker for the Washington Commanders. He's he's I don't know what you call, he's Moses. Mm-hmm. He can't get you to the promised land, but he's gonna get you out of Egypt. And Dan Snyder is Egypt. <laughs> I didn't think we was going to church this morning, but okay. <laughs> I'm gonna take you there. I'm gonna take you there, okay? Dan Snyder <laughs> is Egypt. And the NFL said, let my people go. And Ron Rivera became Moses. Part of the Red Sea, and we're getting out of it, but he ain't gonna be there. When we get because he's too old school and old minded. The guys you name, Steve Wilkes. You know what Steve Wilkes did this all season this year? He tried to run the ball 30 to 40 times a game and get Carolina um into the playoffs. And David Tepper doesn't want that. David Tepper is a Pittsburgh guy. He wants he wants his Roethlisberger. Um, who's the other person named Caldwell? Caldwell's another guy. His offense isn't exciting. They want these young guys in this league. And I'm going to tell you right now, if Eric Bieniemy gets a job this season, I will be surprised. He's, his ship is sailed. He's so. like Russ Grimm. You had a certain lifetime in this cycle, but once you get that in that cycle, you're no longer – You're just not. it's not going to happen because they've interviewed you enough. They have enough where they don't like about you or they've heard enough about you that they're not going to hire you. Mm. Yeah. Mm. And, and, I, and I agree with Midnight Rider. And I think, I think the thing is fairness. You want your Roethlisberger, then draft the Roethlisberger or draft the guy that you think can lead the franchise, then give them a legitimate shot. And I think what's happening is these guys are getting the the can before they get a legitimate shot. Like we can go down and get the we get, one of the three of us can get the Houston job right now, and then when they get there, the pieces that they want, that's when they will be like, ah, we don't need you no more. We don't need you no more. Now, the legitimate shot, I think that's what it is. Is Steve Wilkes going to get a legitimate shot in Carolina? We both know, we all know, Baker Mayfield and Sam Donald aren't winning you any games. They're not getting you to the playoffs. So you have to get somebody down there you can throw the ball. You have to get some weapons. You have to turn some things around because uh, what you had and Matt Rule was a disaster. So you got to clean that mess up. And that's And that's the thing. They hire minority coaches to clean up a natural disaster. And once you get the natural disaster cleaned up and you start rebuilding the buildings, then you find somebody that doesn't look like that person no more. You're basically using them to bridge your success. And I think that's the problem with the NFL right now. It's obvious. 
Well, when when you say that, you, the Midnight Rider, myself, most people understand, like, yeah, that's the way it goes. That's the status quo. But it's so many people that will, to use the Midnight Rider's phrase, push back and say, well, that's not it. That's not it. But the pattern is there. And it's crazy you said something about Russ Grimm. I said something about Russ Grimm. I was thinking the other day. I was like, man, why we never gave Russ Grimm a shot? Why nobody ever gave him a shot? He doesn't fit. You know, Ken Wiz, uh, Ken Wisenhut gave him a shot at OC, and they did good things. But why has Ken Wisenhut not been given a shot again? You know, it's like some of these coaches, they get that one and done, and then all of a sudden it's done. But you give, like Cliff Kingsbury, people are ringing his phone off the hook right now. But why? Because he's young, innovative. That's the difference. What's Nobody young? wants to hold on, hold on. The Washington said it best this week. Washington said we want to be a two to one ratio running the ball to pass. That doesn't exist anymore in this league. It happens by accident where you all of a sudden you realize maybe your quarterback can't play and you run the ball. That's why Pete Carroll is where he is and he had to get a divorce from Russ. But this league isn't about running the ball first. You know what I'm saying? This league is about trying to be innovative and pass the football. So all the guys that, that believe in run first are not going to get jobs or they're going to be coordinators or low-level guys because the league wants to pass the football as much as possible. You, If you pay attention this year, the leading running back in touchdowns had 18 touchdowns. We've had years where the guys have been 22, 23. We even had LT with 28. I remember uh, Emmitt Smith with 25. He broke John Riggins' record. I guarantee I right now, I guarantee, I'm a Charles Barkley. I guarantee if you look in whatever um, media thing you want to look at, if you look at the number of touchdown passes thrown under two yards, we're probably at the peak of that right now. It's probably at its highest it's ever been in that scenario because we throw the ball more than we want to run the ball. Mm-hmm. And, and that's what this league is getting to. I keep telling you, Sean McVay changed the cap and changed the spectrum of this league. Once he got success, everybody wants to get the young guy. So if you're an old guy right now in that coaching carousel, you, you're short. I posted two years ago that the Indianapolis uh, special team coach, his name is um, Vetrion or something like that, but um, he's going to be up for a head coach job soon. And I think last week he had an interview. I'm telling you, this league is going to go for the young guys. And the reason he gets a, a shot is because um, the Hallbar brother is doing what he does. So mm-hmm. everybody knows the special team coach touches everybody. Mm-hmm. Right. He'll get an opportunity. And that's why I said it two years ago. Now, maybe it won't happen in the cycle, but I'm, it's just the cycle is going. So if you get a guy hired that is an old guy, I'll be surprised. Like, I think everything's going to be young. So the Eagles guy, Scott Stetchen, that's their OC, he's going to get hired for a job before Eric mm-hmm. being the Guarantee. And I think the other thing is, too, the league over the last 20 years has proven to you that the run is not valued anymore. Yeah. When you can start finding your running backs third, fourth, fifth, sixth round that are productive, and you see teams that have two, three running backs that um, they rotate. It's, 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 I, I don't even know what, what our, who was our last dominant like franchise running back. Was it Peterson? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Adrian Peterson. That so that tells you the league. You know, of course, you know the off high flash, the 
The Bills Chiefs game last year with 13 second game. That's what the league wants. Throw the ball, bang, 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 score, score, score. That's what the league wants. And like Midnight Rider said, on accident, if we find out we come in the game and you can't stop the run, now we're running the ball. Right. I, I get we're that. Not, we're not gearing our just like look at the Buffalo offensive line. They can't block. If, if you tell them we're going to run the ball 50 times, they would faint. They're not built for that. They're a they're a finesse offensive line that when need be, when, when we're up by 13, they can run the ball. If you go if if it starts snowing in Buffalo, we in trouble. We're they're not they're not built like the 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 teams of the 90s. And I'm not talking about Bills or the I'm just talking about teams of the 90s where you had these big offensive line that can control the game and 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 lean on these defensive linemen and tire them out. It's just not it's not like that no more. Get rid and of the no. ball. Get rid of the ball. Throw, 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 throw. Yeah, and the Bills thing is what really changed the Bills season is the second that James Cook kind of matured and became a better runner mm-hmm. consistently. Yep. And again, we're talking about a kid drafted in the fourth or fifth round, um, running the ball and having an impact. Yep. Um, I'm telling you right now, this draft, this these drafts now, these running backs are so good. The only problem is we don't value the running back position like we used to. Exactly. But now, guys that you would would have normally gotten in the first and second round. You're getting them in the third, fourth, and fifth round. Mm-hmm. Sure. And what's crazy is I've argued the boss about this for years. Like, we talking Madden. He told me, man, I don't need no running back. I'll find me a running back in the fifth, sixth round, and I'll be fine. I'll run it back by committee. And I'm like, dog, I, you got to have that dominant guy that's going to give you anywhere from got, 12 to 1,800 yards. I got the Panthers now in a Madden season. If Christian McCaffrey didn't cost me – so much of a cap hit, I would cut him. I I don't oh, want. Don't what, what well, I what my thing is, I don't value even in the my style offense. I don't value a running back. I and I don't, I'm not I'm not trying to shit on running backs, but here's my thing, and I, like you know, and this is my thing, and and I, if I'm an offensive coordinator, if I got four receivers. You show me if I got four receivers that could possibly be you got a couple teams that got two number one receivers, two legit number two receivers. You show me a team that got four good cornerbacks. That's my if you don't have four good cornerbacks and I got six, seven receivers on the roster and I keep coming out four or five wide, you got a weak weak link on the field at all times. You 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 find you go to you go look at these NFL rosters and you go past the second cornerback. You know when you take your trash out, you throw it in the garbage can. That's what you're looking at. Hey, but I wh- can show you. But I can show you NFL teams with all pro defensive tackles, all pro linebackers. That and we're talking about 2023. We're not talking about. 1980 NFL, where you got slow linemen, slow linebackers. The linebackers could probably play running back right now. That's how fast and quick they are. So, and, and just like Midnight Rider said, you have a, a back like Antonio Gibson. If he don't make the right reads, the linebackers are already there. Hey, go ahead and sit down, son. You're not getting past this point. You have to be quicker. You have to be quicker with your reads. You don't make the right reads. Some guys are already there. If I bring out 
three, four wide receivers, and you got just like Buffalo. Take Buffalo right now. <laughs> Buffalo, the cornerbacks are decimated. Bring me your third and fourth wide cornerbacks out here. Yeah, bring me, bring them out here. That, yeah, bring it, bring them guys out here. I'd rather see them than they keep saying, I want to, I'd rather put y'all in a package where y'all got to take Matt Milano or Tremont Edmonds off the field. Because I, you got to bring one of the other cornerbacks in to keep up with these guys. But if if I'm Buffalo, I don't have to because Tremont Ammons got speed. Now, Matt Milano, a little on the slow side. But if I want to, I put Tremont Ammons in zone. Well, and the whole running back thing is coming from a running back. Yeah. So, but I agree with you guys. But it's so hard to get past that. And I guess like the Midnight Rider say, I'm the old man that's outside shaking his fist to the clouds because you grew up with, you know, when we were younger, and I mean really, really young, a thousand yards was the plateau. Then it became 1,200. Then it became 1,800. Then we've seen in our lifetime, we've seen what, five 2,000 yard seasons mm-hmm. in our lifetime. And that says a lot. But I, I guess that's the we man. We're gonna have to talk about the running back position offseason, man. We're gonna really have to talk about that because we got a one sided show, dog. We, 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 y'all got y'all have made so many good points, man. I'm just like, damn, here I am drafting running backs first, second round, and these guys giving me 1800 yards every year for five, six years. And I'm like, all right, I'm good with that. I'm about to draft his replacement because I know the shelf life is short, man. The boss BJ talking about his Bills. They got a classic matchup. Dolphins versus Bills in Buffalo. I'm looking over here at the TV on ESPN. I just seen Marv Levy on TV. I love seeing Marv Levy. And they he got Josh Allen in his background. Now, with this game, this is in Buffalo. It's at one. Um, Bills 13 and a half point favorites. Over under is 44 and a half. No Tua Tonga Vailoa. What's the status on Teddy Bridgewater if anybody has it? He's not playing. So they're going going to go with Skylar Thompson. Now, of course, boss, I'm going to start off with you because this is your bills. Um, Skylar Thompson. Not saying he could be Brock Purdy. Not even saying he could be uh, Kurt Warner. Because, you know, Kurt Warner came in and we will rally around Kurt Warner. Not even saying he could be that. Are you, I don't want to say afraid, but are you bothered by this cat, Skylar Thompson, and what he has to offer? Because you really don't have any film on him. You don't know what he can do, what he can't do, really. Are you bothered by him? Where did Mike McDaniel come from? San Francisco. Under who? Kyle Shanahan. Yes, I'm worried. Do, you, do y'all know the Mike McDonald's McDaniel story? No, enlighten. Well, like his his somehow he was at like Denver's training camp, and like um the dude that was the videographer or whatever, like starts dating his mom. So the Denver Bronco, true story. So the Denver Broncos head of video starts dating. Mike McDaniel's mom. Um, of course, he's working on the Shanahan at the time, so that's how his connection to the Shanahan's actually starts. Okay, okay, interesting. 
<laughs> Interesting. Um, look. Um, like I said, you you got a little bit of film on a guy. He's played uh, Thompson, but this is the third time these teams have met. The defense ain't missing no pieces. Okay, and this is a defense that was geared to stop the Buffalo Bills. They are fast. It's like Tennessee. They're fast. They got good corners. Buffalo, this is, I don't want to say it's a trap game, but Buffalo has to come to this game full throttle and put the Dolphins behind where they have to fight from. They have to, they have to, to, they're down 14 and they can kind of control how they play on. Just like we talked about Kansas City. You play into our hands. We get a lead. Now you play into our hands. We can sit back in pass rush mode and pass defense mode for the rest of the game. If they get to a point where they're going tick for tack and Waddle's getting out and Hill's getting the ball, the running back, you still got you still got look, you can still hand it off to that running back. They killed this last he killed us last game. All they need, they got three players on the field offensively. They get the ball and then the right angle, the right slant, they're gone. They're gone. So you coach them up. You get them in there. You got the home field advantage. Buffalo got to be careful today. They have to come out swinging. They got to hit some of them hooks. And they got to put the Dolphins away early. You know, they got to get up on them. They got to be like, hey, we're still Buffalo. We're still the cream of the crop. But you still have to be careful. I just, they got Tyreek Hill. Tyreek Hill beat us 13 seconds. 13 seconds. If you get him the ball, I don't care if it's coming from me, my son, you get that man the ball. Every time he touches the ball, it's a chance for a touchdown. So, yeah. And then Buffalo is in the same position they were last year where they don't have a pass rush. And that's going to be interesting to see today. Uh, Gregory Russo, he's doing a hell of a job. Ed Oliver, the Patriot game was almost non-existent. So they're going to need them guys to step up, man. They have to. They have to put some pressure on this guy, try to, you know, force him into some mistakes early and kind of keep the game in front of him, man. I'm worried because it's the third time we played the Dolphins. That's that. I'm I'm worried. I I believe we'll pull it out, but I don't think it's going to be. I think the Dolphins are going to cover that 13. I really do. That 13 and a half, I think the Dolphins are going to cover that. What's your thoughts on the over under? What is the over? Forty four and a half. I think I think you go. I think it's over. Okay. I really do. I think I think it's over. I think I think you're looking at a 34-24. Kind of like what the Bills did last week, where the Patriots are right with them step for step, and the Bills finally break the game away. I, I think that's what you're looking at this game. I really do. So, I gotta give you kudos because you sound like a guy that grew up in this era. This area, I should say, because that was the most Joe Gibbsian answer I've ever heard. <laughs> <laughs> like, <it> was, <laughs> like, like I'm sitting here thinking about Skylar Thompson. I thought they had Joe Montana, and not Skylar Thompson. But, but you're right. It's it's one of those situations. I think if this kid, if he gets lucky, it could be a ball game. But I mean, it's just one of those things where he he has to be on 
He he has to be Brock Purdy like today for them to win. And I I'm kind of with you in step lock where um I don't think this that that Buffalo blows them out. Um, I think Miami will keep it within the touchdown, but it's gonna be it's gonna be a weird ball game for me for that to happen. And I'm definitely in lockstep with you in the over. But yeah, I mean, you're right. You got you got the cheetah and you got the penguin. Um, two guys that once they make a touch, if you if they're in the right spot, it goes for six. And and that's the biggest issue, the biggest um equalizer in this ball game is Miami's ability to to make one play and that one play goes for 60 as opposed to that one play only going for 13. And it's the same yep. thing with their running game with Mostert. It's it's it can go Mostert, yep. zero, zero to sixty just like that. And yep. and that's gonna be the key is I think the, the way Buffalo blows this game out is they minimize the big play. And the only reason they lose is because the Dolphins get the big play on a consistent basis, and they just can't get out their own way. Um, but I still think Buffalo wins. But, but yeah, I, I commend you. That was one of the greatest Joe Gibbs speeches I've ever heard. <laughs> you know, one thing that confuses me about Buffalo, Kyer Elam is in the doghouse, and I thought the reason they drafted him is because he had really good speed, and they knew what they were going up against against the Dolphins with Tua, Waddle, and um, – the cheetah, but he hasn't played a lot, and he's he's been a healthy scratch a lot of the games. And you know, um, I know Benford they they got Benford off of IR, you know, um, so it's you know Tredavious White is back out there, but Tredavious White's not a speedster; he's more of a a high IQ corner where you know he he knows where he's supposed to be at. But these, like I said, them two guys, if you blink, and Buffalo has done it both games this year, they blinked. And Tyreek Hill and Waddles got behind them for big play touchdowns. So, um, you know, look, Leslie Frazier, that defense is really well coached. They're not as as, as aggressive as I would like them to be. They're kind of like, hey, you can have this short stuff. You can have this short stuff. You can have this short stuff. You're not going to get behind us. And then with Micah Hyde gone, you've seen the miscommunication where people are getting behind him. So um, the Waddle touchdown. When they played in Buffalo, Jordan Poy is looking at, I forgot who he's looking at. I, I, I think it was uh, DeMar Hamlin. They're just looking at each other like, uh, who, one, what, somebody was supposed to be back there. And that, and, and when you lose Mike Ahai, when you lose your, one of your communicators on defense, those are the plays that you got to worry about. So I think they know what they're up against. Um, and they're going to have a tough time. Like I said, they, you know, the secondary is depleted. You, lo- you lose Von Miller. Um, and you kind of right, right back to square one with the defense and probably in a little worse shape than you were last year because of how depleted the secondary is. So, unfortunately, number 17 is going to have to be superhuman for Buffalo to raise the Lombardi trophy. He has to be superhuman in the next four games. He has to be – and he has been the playoffs. I think he's the highest-rated pass in the playoff history, minimum 150 attempts. So he's going to have to continue to be that. Um, they elevated Cole Beasley. They got John Brown. They got the band back together. And it was good to see that because that's what Josh is comfortable with. He's had success with those guys. Cole underneath, John Brown over top, Stefan Diggs everywhere. And then we'll see if big play 
Gabe Davis shows up in the playoffs because he's been a little streaky during the regular season. Not what I thought he would do. I thought he would really propel himself after that four touchdown Kansas City game. So, yeah, um, like I, I'm with the Midnight Ride 100%. I think the Bills win, but I think the Dolphins make me take a couple of aspirin during the game. I really do. Well, let me put your mind at ease a little bit. Teddy Bridgewater is questionable because of knee and right finger. Tua Tonga Vailo, of course, is out. Roheem Mostert, out. Why is he, he out? But still, um, yeah, but even still, they got two other running backs. Um, I can't think of their names off the top of my head. It's Kyle Shanahan Jr. So yeah, it, 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 and then and then and then and I'm not trying to be funny. One of us could be back there running back. The the lanes are going to be there because because of who you have at receiver. Because of who you have at the receiver, you can't play up on that line. You have exactly. to play back a certain way. So the lanes are still going to be there. You might not have most of the speed, but you're going to have them opportunities to run the ball. So you kill that. Buffalo can kill that by getting up early and making them having to have to pass the ball and get out of that running. Just what we was talking about, how the running backs are devalued. You got an AFC where your top teams can score on you. Can You blink twice and they're up 24 nothing. You go out here and run the 40, 40 times if you want to. It, you can't do it. You got you have to draft based on your competition and your division and your conference. You know, you build a powerhouse running team and the Chiefs beat you 54 to 13, but you got 300 yards rushing. It's not going it's not going to work. Well, that's the first game up out of the break. So we got maybe a little under an hour before that starts. So let's get through these last three. So BJ can settle in, get his wings and everything. Uh, say something about Stefan Diggs. Five years ago, one of the most exciting plays to happen in playoff football was the Minnesota Miracle. And we got the Giants visiting the Vikings. Um, and to think about that, I was looking at some posts that I had made about uh, the Minnesota Miracle and how I screamed so loud. My wife thought I was hurt. She came over to me and rubbed my back and told me it was going to be okay. I said, baby, I'm just in shock. <laughs> I ain't worried about it being okay. I'm in shock. But the Vikings are three-point favorites over under 47 and a half. Uh, start off with you, Midnight Rider, because in the grand scheme of things, people have the Giants actually winning this game because this is Kurt Thuggins versus Daniel Jones, and they, they saying that the Washington Kurt is going to show up. Kurt Cousins, how you like that is going to show up. Not Kirk Thug Thuggins with the five gold chains. I'm going to completely ignore um, that disdain for Kirk Cousins because. Wait, wait, that's not for me. I'm just saying. What oh, people oh, say. No, 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 no. I understand that. But it always amazes me how people in, in the Washington fan base who are the main purveyors of the Kirk Choker experience. Since Kirk Cousins is left, do you know we're the only team to ever start three quarterbacks every season since he left? Yes. Since he left. Hey, hey, that's, that's like four, five, five, six years ago. That's not me. I understand, I understand. And then, then, then outside of the Colts, we're the only team to have a new starter every year since Kirk Cousins left. We've had we're on six starting quarterbacks, and the only reason we won't have the record is thankfully the Indianapolis Colts are in the same boat as us. And next year they'll be starting a new quarterback, and so will we. Now let's get back onto the course at hand. Vikings minus three versus the Giants. I'm going Giants all day long. 
And it's not because of Kirk Douglas. It's because of Daniel Jones. Daniel Jones has found a way. You got Saquon Barkley um, running the football, solid for them every day, um, all game long, probably one of his better seasons. And, and the Giants have this ability, um, thanks to Wink Martindale, to get a free rusher on your quarterback at any given time in the ball game. And Kirk's going to be looking out because this offense line, even though they get Garrett Bradbury back at center, they're going to be looking out and trying to figure out where the rush is coming from. And it's not going to be a good thing. If they don't, this is a ball game for me that the two people we should know the most. And even though it goes against what we've been talking about passing the football, but we should know Dalvin Cook and Alex Matheson names by heart in this ball game because the New York Giants give up a lot of running plays. And if Minnesota doesn't invest in the run, they won't win this ball game. If you remember the Christmas Eve game, New York should have won that ball game. But thankfully, I mean, for Minnesota, they had a great drive and a 61-yard field goal from their kicker to end the ball game with time running out. That's the only reason the Giants lose this ball game. And the Giants had more turnovers in that ball game than they had all season. So the Giants, I know the Giants can play with them just based off of that. They just got to clean some things up. And that's the reason I'm high on the Giants winning this ball game today. Um, does it hit the over? I think it will, but it's going to be a week over. It'll be like a 28-24 or 27-20, um, a 30-27 type of thing. Like They want to just barely get over the 47 and a half. It'll be like 48 um, type of thing. Uh, so like a 27-24 ball game. And I'd, I wouldn't even touch the points in this ball game because I think it's going to be a field goal difference. If I am the New York football Giants, I go back and look at that Green Bay, Green Bay throbbing that they gave the Vikings. I'm looking at that game. I'm just dissecting it. And you still got to play your game. But and, and like the Midnight Rider said, their defense are the Giants. Get to Kirk Cousins, disrupt what's going on. Um, ah, I can't believe I'm gonna say this. I, I can, I got, I'm going with the Giants too. I just don't believe in the Vikings. I think the Vikings are one of those teams when they're on all cylinders, they could probably beat any team in the league. And if for the next four games, if Kurt Duggins come out, they're gonna win the Super Bowl. It's just that simple. It's just that simple. He's he's. Whatever you want to say about him, he's a top five, top six QB. He, he just is. Who, who, who's better than him? Six, name me five guys better than Kirk Cousins. Kirk Cousins is 12. 12? He's, 12, he's 10 to 12, yes, easily. Because of what ah. he does. All right, so so I, I this has been my MO on Kirk since um, he got in the league. Kirk Cousins is the guy that has to have everything around him be good for him to be good. So he has Thielen, he has Jefferson. Their mm-hmm. defense is taking a step back. And if you remember the last two years, they're, they've been 7 and seven, um, seven and 9, 8 and 8 because of their defense not holding them up. Yes. Yes. So he has to have a defense on the other side. So they have some semblance of a playmaking defense that helps them out in this scenario. But you got to think, this team won 11 ball games by three points or less. Yes, yes, they did. So, so, so that's, that's <clears> the kicker <throat> where I can't put him top five because – you're winning. You're winning. Yes, and you're you're kind of getting the situation where you're winning with the clock going out, like they did against the Giants. So I don't see him as an elite quarterback. I don't see him being the guy that carries you to the promised land. I see him as a guy that's a caretaker. 
and we can get in that in the offseason. There's caretakers and there's elites. And he's in my caretaker package um, where based on what's around him, he can be successful. But it has to be things around him to make him successful. But but you, if you look, and I, I won't, if you look at Washington, their quarterbacks this year had everything around them. You got three top-notch receivers, two running backs, right? And I understand what you're saying. But if you got everything around you, you still have to make the plays and the throws. Like he made that Buffalo game. They beat us. He made throw after throw after throw. You still got to have the arm and awareness to know where you're going. Maybe top six is too high, but top 10, top 10, top 10. It's not 10 quarterbacks. It's not nine. I put him at 10. It's not nine. It's not. He's he's not past 11. He's okay. not past eleven because it, it, we talking about a quarterback-driven league. It, we know the, the 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 hard names, but Kirk Cousins stats year after year after year. I, I don't know, but but without the miracle catch, the miracle Justin Jefferson one-hand catch, yeah, that that, that thing is over. That's why but, that's why I mean the people around you make you sometimes better. But I get where you're going, so I'm I'll make it. And no, 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 you're fine. And it's just like it's the NFL. You win, you gotta win. Yeah. You gotta win. Buffalo would be in a better position if they beat the Jets early in the year. You 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 have to win the games. You you gotta win. You know, win is a win. One by one point, it, uh, field goal, fumble, doesn't matter. But I'm gonna take the Giants today. I'm gonna take the Giants to play their style of ball to kind of rattle Minnesota. I don't think it's going to be – I don't think they're going – I don't think Kirk Cousins is going to have a clean pocket today. That's that's my concern. And I think they're going to force him into some mistakes, and then they're going to play giant football on the offensive side. And I think they're going to leave Minneapolis going into the divisional round. All right. Next up. Ravens versus Bengals. A uh, lot of heat coming out of this game. Uh, Cincinnati, eight and a half point favorites. Over under is 40 and a half. Um, the heat that's coming out of this game is apparently people in the fan base of the Ravens are questioning Lamar's toughness. And of all people to clap back at this. It was one RG3. And he said, you know, you get your head out of your ass if you think he should sacrifice his career for one playoff game. And then, you know, God, my man Andy Poland kind of ended him. It was like, well, maybe that's where your head was when you wouldn't come out of the game when we were up 10 nothing. But hey, neither here nor there. But anytime a player is injured and you got to question that player's toughness, You've never been injured before. You don't know how bad it is. You haven't seen Lamar. He can't even practice. Now, if he goes out that he plays and he shreds his knee, what is where does that leave him? So, so it's the um, it's almost the Isaiah Thomas scenario with the Celtics, where Isaiah Thomas kind of went through that season with that hip, shredded his hip, and he's never been the same since then. Then on another side of the coin, you get the Philip Rivers torn ACL playing in a um, playing with a knee brace on in the championship game 
while LT sat on the sideline with his knee, and everybody tried to figure out what was the difference. Well, the difference in that situation was Philip Rivers is a statue, and and LT's got a cut. Mm-hmm. Then you even go back a couple years before that, and you get the game where Jay Cutler pulled himself out of the ball game because he was hurt. Mm-hmm. So it's funny how like this league or fans pick and choose their arguments and what they think is real. To me, honestly, if I'm Lamar, I don't do it because I don't have any guarantees. I go out here and get hurt. You ain't got to sign me. I'm done. Mm-hmm. So, so if I ain't comfortable with it, I, I'm not playing. And it's that simple for me. Um, I, I got to be all in. It must be the money. Um, and, and my money makes my decisions. And and right now, um, if I'm him and I'm looking at my checking and my savings in my right and my left pocket, I need some more coins going in there. And and he's at a base where he's going to be at a thirty a forty million dollar quarterback in his in his worst situation. So why risk forty million for one day? I'm sorry. The Ravens had their chance to show him that we want you to play in these situations, and they didn't. And Midnight Rider once again, hundred percent correct. You're talking. You're not talking. But this isn't Philip Rivers. This isn't Ben Roethlisberger. This is a quarterback that depends on his legs. A big part of his game is his legs, moving out of pocket, running, making plays. If you do RG3, permanent damage, you're done. You're done. You have, like, like you said, you have no guarantees. You don't know what the future holds. You don't you know if you're getting franchise traded. So why? And like I said, you 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 go out there, you shred your knee to pieces, and you get thoughts and prayers from the fans. I don't want to see a fucking sign in MT Bank saying, get well, Lamar. My knee is shredded, and I just lost $200-plus million in guaranteed money. So the Ravens, like I said, they've done things organizational-wise for me pretty well over the last 20 years. And I think this is one of those things, you know, we, we talked about it early in the season that I think they were really unsure whether they wanted to give Lamar that money and they are paying for it now because I think if he was 80% and he had his deal, I think he's out there. I really do. I think he's out there. I think he might be 80% now. He's like, it's like Midnight Rider said, I'm not risking it. I'm not doing it. You know, it is what it is. So... God, you said something just now, and my 40-year-old mind just kicked in. So let me get back to the game now instead of – so so let's talk about this. Um, Cincinnati Ravens, the line is minus 8.5, over-under is 40.5. Um, when I watch this, I have a hard time, even though Huntley's a good quarterback, but he's a guy that he needs to lead around him. And until the Ravens get wide receivers that actually make impact, they're they're going to struggle. And I think this game might get out of hand on them early because when I watched Cincy that that Buffalo game uh, before the tragedy, um, Cincy was just cooking. And I felt like I feel like they are one of those teams. Once they get it going, it's hard for that for them to turn it off. It's like hard for them to get out of step. And I think today is going to be that example. I think they're going to get up, and they're going to get up early. And Baltimore is just not going to have enough um, bullets in their gun. You know, they they came to the gunfight with a six shooter, and they didn't they needed an automatic or something like that to get them through. 
So I got Cincy with the eight and a half, and I think we're going to barely get over this um, over, but it's only going to be fueled by Cincinnati because I don't think the Ravens have enough offense to make it um, any more than that. The Ravens are in the same situation the Seahawks were. Yep. They have to come out and they have to play this ball control style football, eat the clock to keep Joe Burrow and that offense off the field. Um, and here, here's the thing that works in the Ravens' favor. This is the, they just played last week, and guess what? Just like the, the Bills and the Dolphins, this is the third time they've played. They know their tendencies. They know what they want to do. And that's where your elite people come in, Joe Burrow, T. Higgins, Chase. That's where the eliteness come in. Like, yeah, you know what we're doing, but guess what? We're still going to do it, and y'all not going to stop us. So I agree with Midnight Rider. I think the game could get out of hand. I'm not going to go that way, though. I think the Ravens cover. I think the Ravens make it interesting. And I think Tyler Huntley shows out a little bit today. I think it's going to be if if Harbaugh gets smart, it's going to be an emphasis. Once you make that second read, if it's not there, run. Because guess what? When you start doing that, the reads are going to open up because now they gotta they gotta have somebody spy. They gotta have some type of bliss, some type of containment, so you don't run. Like I don't want to say Tyler Huntley is Lamar Jackson 2.0 because that's not right. He's .5. He can do some of the things Lamar do. He can run. He got an arm, but he's not quite on Lamar's level as far as, you know, of course, throwing in that 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 playmaking ability. But he can do some of the things. And if you if you can just squeeze that limit and squeeze every bit of juice out of it, they're gonna make an interest in the day. I think they cover, I think you go over, I think was it 40 and a half? I think you go over the 40 and a half today, and I think the Ravens cover. I really do. All right. And we got a comment said that the one piece is real from on Twitch from uh, David Digital Mark and that the one piece is real. Oh, OK. Yeah. Cowboys Bucks. Last game of the uh, of the slate for wild card weekend. Cowboys two and a half point favorites over the Bucks, 45 and a half. Uh, Cowboys will not win this game. They will lose this game in dramatic fashion. That's all I got to say. What you guys got to say? So um, I used to make this joke when Josh Wilson played for the um, Redskins slash Commanders. I used to call to play hot 26. And basically all that means hot 26 is whoever he's guarding is where we're going with the football. And I feel like for after watching last week's performance by the Commanders, um, it's got to be hot Trayvon Trayvon Mullen. Like whoever whoever Mullen's covering, either gets a fly, gets a, he gets the ball. We ain't got to go nowhere else. And even if we do go somewhere else, we go on to the slot. Like this is a game for me where even though Trayvon Diggs doesn't have Dion status, I'm gonna treat him like Dion to an extent. Well, I ain't got to go there with the football, but I can go to the slot and I can go to the outside. And I think that's what's going to hurt the um, the Cowboys. Go ahead. I'm sorry. Trayvon Mullen is out today. That does, that's even better. Because <laughs> is, is just as, So think about it. If you start in Trayvon, that's <laughs> of your options. <laughs> you don't get no better. 
And just the just the I didn't mean to interrupt, but that oh, whole perfect. that Trayvon uh digs on Dion treating him like he on Dion side status. I said it last season. Everybody was like, "Oh, he the best DB in the league. Look how many interceptions he got." And yada yada yada. Yeah, he was thrown on the most. He gave up the most receiving yards of any DB in the league. Right, bro. If I'm see, he, he fit, if he you're fit. a corner and I still throw on you, I don't fear you. Yeah, you may pick a couple of them off. You may get something off a of bounce and something like that. Okay, cool. But I don't fear you if I go right back and throw at you again. I don't fear you. It's right. different when I fear you because if I fear you, I'm not even looking to your side of the field. So yeah, exactly, and that's what I'm saying. So like, in order for that to happen, you 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 have the situation where again, I don't respect any other corner that, that Dallas has, and I think that's going to be the issue. Um, and then Dak just hasn't looked right to me um, since he came back from the thumb. Uh, thumbs are. You know, I, I don't want to encourage KG to get his football out and show us the importance of your thumb on the football. Um, but <laughs> but I'm just saying that's that's it's just one of those things. I just don't think he's just right for some reason, and I don't know I don't know what it is. So I'm taking the Bucks not to be a hater, but just because I think the Bucks will do enough in this ball game um, where they'll they'll be able just to survive. And and it's something about January football and Leonard Fournette that um, also, like, gets him going a little bit. So I think I'd take the Bucks outright, and I think we'd definitely go with the over on this 45-and-a-half because I think the teams will score um, because both defenses will give you opportunities. My only fear is I think Dallas only has C.D. Lamb, really, that they trust, trust in, in, in situations, and I think that's where they get limited in their offense. Uh, and I think that's what hurts them the most because with their first round pick, they should be drafting the tight end because Schultz and the company aren't doing it. Um, so unfortunately, my guy Myers from Notre Dame is there, might be there for them. And I think that's somebody they got to look at. They got to look at a playmaker to help CD Lamb out next year. But for today, it's Bucks and it's the over. And see what you got to do. See, see what I'm saying. <laughs> You, you see if if you if you get that point right there, see that you can turn Bradshaw. You ain't got to have the thumb in there. See, you, you take the pressure off the thumb if you do it right. See, you, you you got to get it. See, I'm a laces guy. You know, I'm a I'm a laces guy. But you know, if Dak just puts his finger on the point and throws it like Terry Bradshaw, he should be all right. I'm playing. I'm playing. I just wanted to do that, but I'm playing. Fellas, I'm taking the Dallas Cowboys today. Ooh. Okay. Taking the Dallas Cowboys today. I think that the Bucks struggles on offense this year. And, you know, I think they continue into the playoffs. And we saw them get embarrassed last week here in Washington. Um, I don't think you're going to see that Dallas team come out. The Buccaneers' problem is Michael Parsons. And I think he's going to create havoc. And I think he's going to be in Tom Brady face the whole game. And... I think the but I don't think I think this is going to be a sloppy over. I really do. It's going to be a sloppy over. Um, but I think Dallas goes in there and they win their first playoff game since 1960 or whatever, whatever, whatever. But I really think they do. I think this is the end. I think you see probably time catch up with Tom Brady. 
even though he he, he put him and Mike Evans put on the show a couple weeks ago. But I think this is going to be a first round exit for Tom Brady. And I think the Dallas Cowboys pull it out. I'm, I'm looking at 27-24, 30-24. Micah Parsons, four sacks. Mm. Strip, strip sack, strip fumble. I, I really think he's going to be the difference maker in this game. But I do agree with the Midnight Riders. So Dallas is so limited offensive, offensively. Unless Zeke from five, six years ago is coming back to run the ball to help them move the ball, you know where they're going. Um, Dak has to be on point today, you know. Um, but I, I, I'm going to give it to Dallas today, man. I'm going to give it to Dallas today to leave Tampa Bay in the pirate ship celebrating. And I don't think Tom's going nowhere because now he ain't got to worry about TikTok videos. He ain't got to worry about the damn kids. Um, all you gotta do is worry about where's new boo is. Maybe get him a sneaky link. I think Tom is coming back next year. He ain't gonna have no pressure. He, I mean, he got the kids on the weekends at best. You know what I'm saying? He, he's just a happy man. He can do the Tom, was it the T12 experience? Eat his avocado ice cream. He living a life. Mm. See mm, mm, mm. Tom in Vegas next year. I was getting ready to say something, but yeah, that, there's rumors that he's going to Vegas and a couple of other places. So, final Miami thoughts, gentlemen. Miami. Yeah, I heard Miami too. Final thoughts before we get up out of here. It's gonna be a good day of football. That's all I gotta say. It's gonna be a good day of football. I think the I think the best game of the day is gonna be the Giants and the Vikings. I think the Bills are gonna handle the the, the Dolphins. They'll make it interesting for a second, but I think the Bills firepower. Is going to what's going to be what outlasts the Dolphins, but that Giants Vikings game is going to be where where you need to be in front of the TV watching. And that starts at four thirty. So uh, midnight rider. I totally agree, and I think today becomes a day that people won't have to put start putting some respect on Daniel Jones' name. I think Daniel Jones is going to yo he's going to play ball today, and um, I don't know who's maybe it's Ricky James or Hoskins or whoever it is, but he's going to do enough today that he's going to validate some things. And the Giants, uh, because of my philosophy and BJ's philosophy of running backs, they're going to have to make a decision on um, on Saquon. He's so coming back next year. He will be a Giant next year. Him and Daniel Jones will be Giants next year. That's a, that's that's for our offseason show. Mm-hmm. I don't give away free content. Mm. Every, anything becomes content. That's our ABC. Glenn Gary, Glenn Ross, baby. ABC's a podcast. Anything <laughs> becomes content. Well, that's all our time. As you can see, when once BJ brings the uh the kitty out, <laughs> <laughs> you know he's diabolical with it. So once he brings the kitty out, it's all it's the it's the end of the show. So thank you for joining us. Please, please, please make sure you hit that like subscribe button on everything social media, IG, Facebook. Uh, Twitter, Instagram. I said Instagram. Um, YouTube. Everything. Make sure you hit that because you don't want to miss out on none of these shows. And we got more coming, so we will be back on Tuesday to wrap up Wild Card Weekend and what we thought with these last couple of games, and then the preview Divisional Round Weekend. So until next time, 
for the Midnight Rider, for the Boss BJ. We don't do no overtime. We are out of here.